My guest today is Dakshima Hapithantri. She is a former attorney from Sri Lanka and now a registered social worker. She is passionate about creating safe spaces in the community with diversity and inclusion, equality, and with LGBTQ2S plus support. In addition, mental health, community capacity building, and programming for youth are all near and dear to her heart. As a queer woman of color, she has said that she has struggled immensely to find her way in Calgary, in Alberta, but now after she has completed over five years living here, she would say it's a home away from home for her. And just before coming on to this telecast, she let me know that very soon she will be a Canadian citizen. Advocacy and volunteering are her ways of giving back to the community. And she volunteers with many organizations in the city of Calgary and across the province. City of Calgary Police Services, University of Calgary, the Faculty of Social Work are just some of the places she volunteers. She is the founder of Dilipani and a rainbow light woman where she provides support and guidance to those who are struggling to come out and help bridge the relationships between them and their families. She herself has gone through these struggles and the trauma in coming out, and she wants there to be a safe space and guiding light for someone who needs her. Today on Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+, we talked to Dakajima about her life, coming to Canada, coming out, and so much more about this brilliant rainbow woman. Before I bring Dakshima to your listening ears, Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+, is a weekly video and audio podcast that showcases the remarkable people who make up our community. By listening to our stories, your stories, we gain insight, understanding, and connection. So let's continue to connect weekly while being introduced to fantastic, brilliant people and topics. This episode was recorded live, so do expect technical hiccups, voice snafus, and other unexpected hijinks as it likely has happened. We'll do our best to edit it out, but it has happened. If you're listening to us on the audio platforms such as Apple Podcasts and Spotify, please make sure that you give us reviews, starred ratings. It helps us with the algorithms. And if you're watching us here on YouTube, please make sure that you press subscribe and you'll receive notification when other stories, which may in fact in the future be your story, is here on a podcast. Now, I'm based here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and it's important for me to acknowledge this, that I'm living within Treaty 6 territory and within the Métis homelands and Métis Nation of Alberta, Region 4, a traditional meeting grounds, gathering place, and traveling route to the Cree, Sado, Blackfoot, Métis, Dene, and Dakota Sioux. I acknowledge all the many First Nations, Métis, and Inuit whose footsteps have marked these territories for centuries. I am grateful to the traditional knowledge keepers and elders who are with us today 
and those who came before. I continue to open myself up to listen, to learn, and to understand. And I hope you join me in this as well as we learn the truth. I make this acknowledgement as an act of reconciliation and gratitude to those on whose territory we reside. Today on Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+, is Dakshima Haputhanthri, and it's now time to bring her up on your screen and or your listening ears. Welcome to the podcast, Dakshima. Hello, Douglas. Happy to be here, and thank you for having me. Dakshima, we did not know each other previously, but I've been an admirer of yours from afar for a while now, and uh, quickly found you and met up on LinkedIn because I see a radiance around you at all times. You are a woman of power and skill and knowledge. I want to tap into that today and so much more. So, Dekshima, here's probably an easy but difficult question to start this off. Across the social medias, I've seen you wear a T-shirt that says love wins. Mm -hmm. Does love win to you? It seems tough in the beginning, but at the end, definitely. You've talked a lot about coming to Canada and finding yourself here and opening yourself up more, whereas before you did not have that. So can you tell our listeners more about your background before coming to Canada? Sure. I'm originally from Sri Lanka. That is a island far away from us. It's in the Indian Ocean. It's called the Pearl of the Indian Ocean. It's beneath India. If the viewers don't know where it is. I'm originally from Sri Lanka. I'm, I'm the eldest of my family from a middle, upper middle class family. My parents are both uh, retired, but government servants. I have a sister. I live a pretty privileged life back home. I, I belong to the majority, Buddhist majority of the country. I didn't really struggle. I had good grades. I went to university. I became a lawyer. I did another degree simultaneously. I have a bachelor in arts and also law. Then I did a postgraduate diploma in criminology and criminal justice. And I practiced law for almost seven years after studying for five years. So yeah, that, that's the beginning where, where I, I'm from originally. What then brought you to Canada? Was it an escape or was there opportunity here? It was an escape. It's funny when I'm replaying it in my mind, it's just like a movie. It's just when I was 15, I, I realized that I was different from other people. I realized I'm attracted to uh, women. But knowing the law of the country, especially the penal code, according to the sections, uh, which is 365 of the penal code, it says that you cannot be with a person of the same sex. That made me really not really disclosing who, how I really feel inside. I was closeted for years. My parents were lovely people, but it's, it's not something I really could open up and you know tell them that this is how I feel because I know they were, always wanted the best interest and what they think would be the best interest for me. And I, could, I don't think I'd, I'd be able to be myself. So after having a couple of relationships, I realized that if I want to be truly myself, I have to really move away from the country. And that's when 
I just jumped into a plane and just came to Canada. I applied for permanent residency. I didn't come as any other way, but I didn't disclose anything uh, of the sort uh, in the application process or nothing. Even to my agent, I didn't really disclose anything. In uh, 2016, 8th of July, I landed in Calgary. Didn't have anybody except one family I knew. That's all I knew here, but I was willing to leave my profession, my parents, everything I knew all my life uh, just to be myself. But I thought it's just like a linear, okay, I just can't be myself. It was not that easy, but that was a start. Uh, you may mention of the penal code of Sri Lanka, and it was inherited in 1886, I believe, uh, from the British rulers. Mm -hmm. And so in Sri Lanka, where is same-sex marriage or where is public displays of affection? Where is that at within the culture today? Nowhere. <laughs> It's still hiding in the closet. People are more open, not people. Certain pockets are open and talking about it, but you cannot really publicly display any affection. You cannot really enter into a relationship of civil or otherwise and publicly acknowledge that. You'll be shunned. You'll be, I don't know what would happen to you. Still, it's the penal code. It still is the law of the country. So it's still a criminal offense. Yeah, so it's yeah. So my understanding is within this South Asian culture, the only way of living is if you're a man, you marry a woman, and if you're a woman, you marry a man and you have kids. Yes. And there's a quote that I found of yours where you said, "Our societies have patriarchal norms where we have to respect men and do everything we can to make them proud." Yes. The patriarchy is the norm and you have to make them proud and you have to just, there's like certain ways of heteronormative ways of living and you are expected to live like that. Otherwise, there's no way, there's no escape from that. Yeah, I feel, I cannot really, I have this survivor's guilt uh, because I am living my life right now, but I could have been one of them. I could have been married to a man, have a couple of kids and living that life. But I chose otherwise. That's my decision. That's my life. I, I decided to do what I wanted to do. Yeah, but there are several people out there. I know that still living that life, married to a man, but really in love with somebody else of the same sex or otherwise both ways. So despite the survivor's guilt that you made mention of, what makes you proud here today? I'm proud to say that I try to be as authentic to myself and to people I love as possible. Because I was, as I said earlier, I was living in a closet for years and I was hiding, I was lying. I was just pretending to be happy, which I was not. I had a lot of... I I try to self-harm when I was 16, 15, 16, when, I, when my first girlfriend left me because I couldn't really understand what was happening. And when I was around 22, I tried to take my own life because people keep coming and going. And I was like, something's wrong with me. Why is this keep happening to me? But now I'm advocating to people and supporting people, especially LGBTQ2S plus folks and equity-seeking groups and talk about social justice and really passionate about creating change in the society, despite the fact that I had to go through certain things in my life. But yeah, what 
doesn't kill you, makes you stronger. It's uh, the truest words ever. You're in a university class in Calgary, and then you decide, oh, today's the day I'm going to come out. Mm -hmm. How did that happen? That was... I don't know, just fate, I guess. There was this trans person who came into the class and talked about their life. And out of the blue, I'm like, this is it. This is just, just, I just, I had to say something and I just came out. I don't know what I said. I can't remember what I said. It was a very supportive space because my professor, Dr. Lisa Lawrence, said, yeah, I really admire all the time that was there as well. So that was a very tricky moment. Some people congratulated me while other was, others were like not meeting my eye. Pretty weird at that time. But yeah, it's just, it was a good moment that I really was able to finally come out in public for the first time. It was a really milestone in my life and opened so many doors for me after that, just by being authentic, my authentic self. So what were some of those doors that opened for you after you did come out? After I came out, I found somebody who loved that person so dearly and we got married. That was three years ago. That's the most brilliant thing that has ever happened to me because I never thought I'll be able to have somebody by my side, loving me, sharing my life, sharing a home, sharing a puppy. Like, never thought I'll have a puppy uh, and all that. But yeah, that was my greatest uh, moments in life because as queer people, you tend to live a pretty lonely life if you are in Sri Lanka, if you are in, in that sort of a country where it's penalized. And my second greatest, proudest moment is creating Dilipani and bringing that light that I felt when I came out to other people and giving their support and bringing them all together and doing a lot of motivation, speaking about resiliency and truly be being yourself. And uh, people really support that sort of thought. And, and I'm really proud. Delipani is not just your middle name. It is a name of your company, but your belief and your mindset I had shivers when I actually saw the meaning of your middle name. And so, again, please tell everybody what it means and how has it been a guiding focus for you over the past few years? So I created my website last April, but I was thinking about it for, for a long time. When I came out to my mother, that was 2018, I think beginning of 2018, it was not a great experience she cried she was sad she was upset she was questioning me and all that and uh, like three four years later when I think about it I understand where she was coming from hindsight is 2020 that she was grieving for my, me she was grieving for all the obstacles I had to face the struggles I had to face the fights I had to face what people would tell me and all that and when I came out of my father um he listened to it and he said he never want to talk about it again. Even to this day, he doesn't want to talk about it. He doesn't acknowledge my partner, nothing. So all these sort of complications made me think about it more. And then last year, I really wanted to do something because I thought I'm in a good place that I really need to make a change in the world I live. And I was thinking about names. I was thinking about OSCs. Like I want, I want people to feel loved and safe there and I was like thinking about my name my Dilipani is my middle name which my mother named me Dilipani means a lighted lamp 
And I'm actually really reflecting about it over the past couple of months. And in Hindus, they have different festivals for light. And in Buddhist, I'm a Buddhist. So every full moon day, we go to temple, we light lamps, we have incense and we pray for like everything. And Jews have Hanukkah, like eight days of light. So light is very close to people's lives. There's a saying that if you can't be a light, just have a little flickering light or something like that. So that's where the, the light or the name came from, I, I think, because I wanted to make whoever, I don't know, access my services to feel safe and loved and feel that, okay, Dakshima is listening to me. She would understand me. So that's the whole purpose of having my middle name, Dilipani as my support network's name because I think it makes sense. It made sense to me and now I can give that little light to somebody who just a tiny bit of hope for them to hold on to. I think that's what they, they really want in life, little flickering hope. There are so many resources that are out there that I never had when growing up and obviously for yourself as you're mm-hmm. telling us this story, it causes me to think, what is the South Asian LGBTQ plus community like in Canada? And are there resources available like yours for people who are having the family trauma and problems? I did a bit of research. I could not find much here, but in Vancouver, there are some. I believe in South Asian culture, the patriarchy comes as a like you have to be abide by certain ways of living and things like that. So I I believe, especially the intersectionality, not even South Asian immigrant in general, when you come to a different country and there is a mainstream queer community and resources and things like that. But when I came out, when I came out, I did not honestly feel connected to those um supports because I in the back of my mind I was like do they would they understand me I'm brown I have an accent I my ways of thinking it's different so would they really understand the people I I talk didn't really get me so that was one of the main reasons I think if you are from the immigrant culture and I, I when I'm talking to you you were like okay yes we are not from the same country but She's not from around and she has been around here and gone around the world or she might understand me or at least all our struggles are unique. Your struggles Douglas, is unique to you and my struggles are unique to me, but there, there might be a common ground that we can both be united to find that support. So I think that was the reason that I was like trying to figure out all throughout. In the teachings I've done with intercultural awareness, I bring it down to wearing of sunglasses. I wear yellow sunglasses and my bringing up in the world and what I've learned, I have yellow lenses where I see through. And for yourself, your blue sunglasses are evident. I want to see the world through your lenses. So I've gone to Walmart found some blue sunglasses. I put them on, but I can't take off my original yellow sunglasses because they're part of my life. So I put your blue sunglasses over top of mine and I see the world in green. 
And I hope that's what we're building towards, this common ground where we're able to build this green space with each other. But it's a, going to be a long time coming in so many different ways. But I'm thrilled that there's someone like yourself who wears those blue sunglasses and brings their life experience and are able to help people who also wear those blue sunglasses as well. I That's why I'm so thrilled with the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Definitely. It's a struggle, uh, I had to admit, but slowly. There was a quote that I saw that, that you liked and you put out there from James Baldwin. And mm-hmm. I'm just going to quote it. Sure. One discovers the light in darkness. That is what darkness is for. But everything in our lives depends on how we bear the light. It is necessary. While in darkness, there is light somewhere. To know that in oneself, waiting to be found, there is light. Definitely. What does that quote mean to you? Well, I was just reading about James Baldwin. And yeah, it it really resonated with me because I tend to be really in my reflective mode these days because I ponder a lot of things. And when I saw this quote, I was like, so true because I was in a closet in my dark world and I think if you read the whole thing I talk about being in like an eclipse but now I see and now I cannot unsee what I see or what I can do yes I have light inside me which I can do so much and yesterday I was looking at at the sun and I was like oh man like Really, the sun comes every day, be there for like hours and then go back and comes again, like again and again. I'm sure sun doesn't feel it. It's just hard work. But it's never say, okay, today I'm going to have a sick day and not come back. It just comes back every day without fail. So I, in these times of darkness and hopelessness, those things matter. I can't be the sun. I can be a little light. When sun is gone and having his rest I can be that flickering little light to somebody so that's why I try to be because I was that person without a light who didn't have support who didn't have somebody to give me a hug didn't have anybody to say Dakshima you're going to be fine I love you there is love for you nobody said that to me and I never felt safe so I want to be that person to somebody Let's talk a little bit about that somebody in your life. You are happily partnered. You uh, have found somebody. Can you tell me more about this person? Definitely. So it's a funny story. I'm sure you watch Orange is the New Black. So when I came to Canada 2016, uh, end of 2016, I was really uh, having like a tumultuous relationship, uh, long distance with somebody else. And it was really, later I realized it was toxic, but I was going through so many things in life and I wanted a distraction. So I went to the Calgary library and I saw this orange is a new black. I never even heard about it because it's banned in Sri Lanka, I'm sure, because it's, it's about a female person in America. And I watched it and then I started Instagram page and uh, so this Laura Prepon is Alex Wars. Uh, she's like the one of the main characters and she whole fandom was 
waiting for her to have a real life relationship with Taylor Sheridan, who played Piper Chapman. But one day, announced that she's a Scientologist. She announced that uh, she's gonna marry Ben Foster, who's, who's a fellow actor. And the whole fandom went crazy, and including myself in my on my Instagram. If anybody want to talk about this tragic situation, just connect with me because I we, we chat about it. And one girl from United Kingdom contacted me. That was twenty seventeen February twenty eighth at one p.m. <laughs> And she just contacted me, and we we started chatting. Just nothing for months. We we just good friends, and yeah, it took us over a year to realize that we are really in love with each other. By that time, I have ended my long distance relationship, and I was available and free. And then she was like, we started the relationship. That was March, somewhere in March in 2018. Can't really remember the date because we are both like crazy, <laughs> and yeah. Then she came to see me in July 2018. Two weeks she spent, and then she decided, okay, yes, she's the one. And she just packed her bags and just came in an international U-Haul to Calgary. That was 2018 uh, October. 2018 November we got married, and that is it. That was it, and still going great <laughs> so two expats are living in calgary living their best authentic life i love these love stories and i but i also got to say too when you mentioned orange is a new black i was thinking i don't remember anywhere with you going to prison so i was thinking this was going to be a prison love story at first but i'm glad to hear it wasn't a love in prison so that's a good thing here Absolutely. We talk about chosen families so many times, mm -hmm. and I believe it's one of our hidden superpowers that we have the ability to create a chosen family. And so you've begun to do that in Calgary with your wife and with so many other people. Mm -hmm. What do the words chosen family mean to you? For me, chosen family means that no matter what, you do or who you are they love you and this just they are just there for you and you can just call them and they are there and love you no matter what unconditionally and yeah it means a lot to me I have a couple of folks that I really consider as family and a couple of mentors I really appreciate and admire that makes a whole whole difference in in my world because uh, Yes, I'm very close to my parents. I still talk to my mother two times a day. She's still, first question she asks about my partner and my puppy and then me. So I'm glad that we are in that level of understanding and love. A mother's love is just unconditional. But I have that little sadness that to say that my father is a homophobic person. It's very, it's sad to say that. But I love him no matter what. He's my father. I'm, alive because of because he had him and my mother so I respect him I love him and I want the best for him um, and he won the best for me as well so I wrote a letter to him a uh, couple of weeks ago and he was it was his birthday on 3rd of February he got it he read it I talk about the elephant in the room which I really want to talk to you so 
yeah, he knows how I feel. He knows that I care for him. And there's this huge thing that is between us, which is just really stupid, I, I personally think. But it takes time. Do you think that time does heal all wounds when it comes to this? It depends. I think with my father, it's three years and counting. So still he has not come around. And it's sad because my partner is an amazing person and I want him to, you know, have that feeling of love and affection. And she's looking after me and loving me unconditionally. My mother knows and she's really appreciative of that. And I want my father to know as well because I'm not alone. I have somebody to love. I have somebody to, you know, look after and who looks after me. And it's just an amazing feeling, which I, as I mentioned, which I never thought I would witness that. Unless you have that, you would not understand. You understand. Yeah. But if you don't have that feeling or some somebody in your life, you would not understand what I was talking about. So I would have been one of those people if I wouldn't have her. So You make mention of your relationship with your mom. And I'm really glad it's a positive one right now. I do have to ask you this question. I know that it's attributed to your mother, but I do have to ask you this. Did Canada make you gay? No. She asked me that, but no. I think I was very gay before, like, when I was born, I was gay. It's not like I choose to be gay. Like, when somebody asks that sort of silly questions, not you, like somebody else asked, People ask from my culture, especially my aunties and all that. I say, I'm a woman of color. And do you think on top of, and I'm an immigrant to this land. Do you think on top of everything, would I choose to be gay if I can help it? So, yeah, Canada did not make me gay. A lot of immigrant parents think uh, the free way of thinking and influence that make a child gay. But I have news for you. It's not. It's just in your DNA. It's who you are. Exactly. And thankfully so. I hated that DNA for a long time growing up. But mm -hmm. now I'm so glad that I have it. And it's a special life that we get to live. And we get to do it through our various lenses and get to see the world differently. It's, mm -hmm. uh, it's such a good thing. Takshima, you mentioned the struggles in Sri Lanka, you struggled here in Calgary when you started off. What do you say to someone who is the 15 year old you? Mm -hmm. What would you say to that person if you had that chance? 15 year old me would be really proud of where I am right now because 15 year old me would be, although like, strongly outwardly look very strong minded and all that would be a little scary kid uh, who didn't have that support who didn't have that somebody to say everything is going to be okay that's what I wanted to hear when I was 15 I wanted to hear Rakshima there's nothing wrong with you. you are not a freak you are not weird Kids bullied me in my class. I didn't even know I was getting bullied. It's just sad. They said I was weird. I was just short hair like this and I was just very boyish. But yeah, the six, 15 year old me would be, if I meet my 15 year old self, I would just say nothing. Just give her a hug and just, then she would feel that 
I'm safe. I'm loved. There's nothing wrong with me. I am just another human being who just want to live my life. I just live my life. In doing some research about you, I came across something else that you had written, and it's using the word wabi-sabi. And it's described as a beauty of things imperfect, impermanent, and incomplete. It is a beauty of things modest and humble. It is a beauty of things unconventional. I love that. It's beautiful. How are you being authentically wabi-sabi? Definitely, I had to bring the concept kintsugi. So kintsugi is a Japanese art form. Wabi-sabi is like the huge part of it. Kintsugi, I believe, is like a little part of it that talks about imperfection. Like in Japanese culture, when say when I say like a mug is broken, let's say, we throw it away. We think, okay, it's broken. There's no use of it. But what they do is they... Uh, they made it up, like they remake it with those little, what do you call it, golden dust. They repair it. And if you look up Kintsugi mug or something, it's like thousands of dollars because it adds value to it. So when I think about my life, I think what I have gone through years, I have gone through so many things in my life, but it made me who I am today. It made, it added value to my life. It made me resilient. It made me outspoken. It made me talk, talk for the people who doesn't have a voice. A lot of social justice work I'm, I'm striving to do right now is because I know how it is to be that underprivileged, underemployed person who coming from a privileged background who just start from the scratch. How I know how hard it is. So I just want to do that for the people and for myself. Because I want to make myself proud. It's just my work is not done yet. I'm just just starting. Yes, you are. And this is the reason why I wanted to interview you and get to know you. Because in reading some of the things that you've written, you can see your authenticity, your gold dust that has been put together it's just beautiful. And you are the epitome of someone who is bringing all their life experience and bringing it to the forefront and saying, this is me. This is where I'm at. If I can help you up in any way, I'm going to make sure I do that. And uh, again, I make mention of this so many times that I know that frequent listeners of the show get tired of me saying this again another person that I've become smitten with just by learning about and understanding. And I'm so thankful for this podcast because it's a platform to bring you into people's orbit of understanding. And so I guess going along that part that I just said, what should we know about Dakshima? Well, Dakshima is very authentic to the core and try to do the best she can for you. Even if you can't ask for help, I would know 
if you need help because I can read your mind. No, I can't read your mind. I I just know. <laughs> I just know because people's faces, I, I try to read them as much as I can because sometimes you don't know how to ask for help. For example, mental health. Coming from Sri Lanka, mental health is a taboo, just like queer, being queer. You don't ask for help. You are supposed to be strong and resilient and fighting and just go and smash that wall. That's that's what's expected. And especially being the eldest child, I was supposed to be setting an example to my younger sister who turned out all, she's a young, she's a doctor now, but, but I had to be strong. Like it, it's just not my parents didn't ask me to do that. That's a societal expectation. You are expected to behave in a certain way. So yeah, it's just that's why I'm so passionate about mental health. The struggles are real. You are going to you you can't live a perfect life. People talk about being positive all the time. It's toxic positivity. You can't be positive all the time. We are humans. We have emotions. We have yes, we can regulate them. But sometimes it becomes too much. That's where we call we are burned. It's real. It's so true. And just before coming on and starting our recording of this episode, both you and I, we exchanged the fact that the day of this recording, we're both feeling that. We're both feeling that mental health and that positivity is hard to do. And as you mentioned, you want to go punch a wall. You want to do something. There's other ways of doing it and that positivity that comes with it. If somebody wants to get a hold of you, Dakshima, and want to learn more about you, how can they contact you or where can they find more information about you? They can go to my website. It's very easy to understand, very simple language. You'll like it, I'm sure. It's www.dilipani.com. It's Dilipani. It's my middle name. So www.dilipani.com. And there are certain many ways you can connect with me. Thank you, Douglas. And you can email me. That's dilipanylight at gmail.com. You can find me on LinkedIn like Douglas and I connected. There is Instagram, Dilipani, your guiding light. And there's Facebook. That's dilipani, I think. Yeah. So you can find all those things to connect with me. Um, LinkedIn, I'm pretty active. I try to do my social justice work on LinkedIn uh, and attract a lot of people, uh, like-minded people. I'm really proud of the work I do. Yesterday, I, I think yesterday or today, I, I wrote about why it is needed to speak up. When you're a socialist, you, somebody come for you. So let's say somebody is socialist. They came for socialists. I didn't speak up. Then they came for somebody else. Then they came for Jews. I didn't speak up. Then they came for me. And there's nobody to support me. So unless we speak up, I need to speak up not only for myself, I need to speak up for Douglas and all of you who are listening because that's the community that we are building. We have to look out for each other and we rise by lifting others. We don't rise by dragging others down. That's where I think society is just going crazy because they don't support each other. They are always trying to figure out their own like little orbits, like living in silos, doing their own thing. But it's not community. Community is supporting each other to grow. That's how we thrive as a community, as social justice seeking groups. 
And it's going to be a difficult thing that's going to happen as we slowly come out of this pandemic and live this life of whatever it's going to be living with COVID because people have had two years of living with their own thoughts, living in their silos and we are opening up and there's many of us like myself who don't want to go back to the same old. There's something that was in the yeast in the bread that we baked a couple of years ago. And we don't want to go back to pre bread days. Are we going to be able to have those conversations that we need where we create space, not only for ourselves, but for people that we want to reach who might have a different opinion than us. Is it going to be possible? It is going to be possible because I think two years, people had so much time to think. Now they have all the thoughts. I'm seeing so many resignations. People are leaving their jobs for simpler things in life, for fundamental things in life. I think we all go back to those original fundamental ideas where we can support each other. That's how Indigenous brothers and sisters, the way they live, with the land, with the skies, with the nature. I was telling my partner, I was watching a documentary and how beautiful it is. Just be one with nature. Just support each other. Everybody, brothers, sisters, we are family. We have to look out for each other. So we have our individual tasks, individual works, and as a community also, we have to gather as like-minded people and really move this momentum forward and really work for a change. Rome wasn't built in a day. It took so many years. So like that, we need to start. We need to look for that change. We can change it. We want to be the change that we won't see in the world. So I think it's time. I will follow and I will stand beside you at every single moment, Dakshima. Absolutely. What you said was right on tact, and I fully believe everything that you said. Absolutely. For people who want to be an ally to you, be an ally to somebody who comes from Sri Lanka or a society that is patriarchal in nature, how can one display support? How does one show that if they are willing to be part of your orbit and want to express love and shelter to you? Sure. With the past experiences, I don't really trust people at the beginning. But as I move along, I, I started to gather like-minded people in my network and get that support. So when you talk to a person who's from immigrant background, from South Asia or from any part of the world, they might not like open doors right away. It would take some time, but don't give up. They need you. They don't know how to ask for help most of the time. So just be persistent. Just be there. Just show up. Then they know you are not like, it's not like you're going to go away or something. You're going to be a constant presence in their life and they'll slowly start opening up to you. It would take time and you'll be frustrated, trust me. But it the day would come. And we're here now chatting and that's what's great. In your experience living in Calgary, how do you see the Rainbow community when it comes to support and 
where the community itself is going to in the future? I think the community is out there, but in small pockets, we are not like very united. I think we have our own thing going on. I really appreciate what the Queer Art Society does in Calgary because I was part of the coming out monologues and there was uh, 50 odd people gathered when I was coming out doing like publicly coming out it was last December and they were cheering me and others and they were like, it was such a great feeling because I haven't met such a group that you feel that's so united and you feel doesn't matter whether you are white or brown or black or indigenous doesn't really matter you are there to support another queer person and that's beautiful but it would take a bit of time we have to be united as i said we do things in our own silos i do my own delipani thing i i support any anybody and other organizations do their own thing and I think it's time, as I mentioned, we need to work on our commonalities that are than differences because colonials have the way of divide and rule. But we don't live in, in those times anymore. We need to be thinking about our common grounds and how we can support each other rather than think about our differences and how we can think about it separately. We are, we are at the end, humans. That's something that can be, you know, used to unite us and learn from each other. Lots to think about because I am struggling with that at the moment. For the last few years, I've had things figured out, but I am feeling that the land underneath me rumble and it's caused me to have to rethink things. So I'm going to have to get back to you when it comes to this human nature and where we're at, but guided light is there always, for sure. Definitely. So when are you going to come up to Edmonton? Probably next year, this summer. So I might just pop, pop up. As we were talking before, there are many people here in Edmonton, especially with Pride Corner on White, who would greatly benefit from meeting you as well. So it's an open invitation from all of our organizers for you to uh, come on board and come up here at any time with huge open arms and big hugs. Socially distanced, maybe, because now we're open for the spring again in the province. I don't know. That's another story for another day. Just for people who are on the audio part, we're both shaking our heads in disbelief. <laughs> so <laughs> we're like, yeah. Anyway. Dakshima, I'm going to bring up your website here again, dilpani.com, D-I-L-I-P-A-N-I.com. What will people find on your website? Whatever they are looking for. It's not like for like main, like uh, streamlined. Whatever you are looking for, you'll find. If you want to talk to me, we can do that. If you want to invite me to a motivational speaking event or workshop, I'm available. If you want to come out and you want me to just be there when you come out to your parents, I can be that mediator. I'm just a woman who wear many hats, all to support you who are listening and watching this, or your colleagues, your friends, your family, your network. Yeah, it's just, yeah, together we are strong. And reach out. 
uh, your gmail.com site, dilpanilight at gmail.com, D-I-L-I-P-A-N-I-L-I-G-H-T at gmail.com. Dakshima, it has been a pleasure to be able to talk to you, and I can't wait for the future because there's so many things that you're going to be able to do. And I sure hope that we're able to bring you back when we begin exploring topics and we start doing more panels and be able to bring insight because I want your guided light to be able to be told to everybody. Definitely. Thank you, Douglas. And it's been a pleasure. I didn't realize that we've been talking almost an hour. You're such an easy person to talk with and create a safety, safe space for me uh, to share my experiences and life. And I'm truly grateful for that. I'm grateful for you, my friend. No Barbara Walters moments today, though. No single tear down the eyes. But again, as I tell everybody, if that was to happen, do a close up because people would love it. But uh, that's not what we're here for. It's all about being able to share stories. And I appreciate it. The greatest story that has not yet been put down on paper for us to read, but perhaps one day it will. And I'll be in line to buy that for sure. Thank you. On behalf of Dakshima, my name is Douglas Parsons saying thank you for listening to this episode of Tales of the 2S LGBTQ+. Be sure to press subscribe if you're watching us here on YouTube. Like us on the social media sites podcast sites, etc. I'm here to remind you to always be good and always text when you get home. Until next time, everybody. <laughs>